to Biggest Geekus. We are your hosts. I'm Randy. I'm Joe. It's episode 20 of our podcast, and the date is January 19th, 2021. Episode 20. Yeah, baby, that's pretty sweet. Um, I'm kind of pumped. 20 episodes. We knocked them out at a reasonable time once we got started. I mean, our first podcast was near the end of last year, right? When did we start? November? Anyway, it's good. 20 is cool. When, when was the last one? No, our first podcast. Oh, no, no. We started. Um, so we started recording, but we didn't actually put anything out for a while. So as far as out on the interwebs. But our when we recorded, we started recording in February or March of last year. Oh, but yeah. we didn't actually put anything out uh, on the on Anchor until I can't remember when. It was in the summer. And then we have been beasts. Unbelievable. Once we got them posted, we're practically unstoppable now. Once a week. Yeah. So um, this episode was originally a different plan. We had a guest we were going to have. We're going to have to delay. We had some issues, technical difficulties. And so we're going to try something a little off the cuff today. Our buddy uh, Glenn Hostrom at uh, was it Radio Grognard. <laughs> we had told Your him, buddy. Your buddy. He's my he buddy. Always says, he, he only ever says your name and his buddy. <laughs> would you mean to tell him? Just, would you like, should I correct that, Joe? No, no. We will, <laughs> let, we will let it stand as is. I love what he says. He's he, like, he is your Randy buddy. <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's Randy Nichols and those guys. <laughs> baby. I told you. I told you I'm the talent. You got to believe, Joe. I am those guys. Sure. You are those guys. That's all right, though. Glenn, I love it, man. I'll, I'll, the check is in the mail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, he, we talked about we were me and Joe both have been kind of looking back at the old school games we used to play. And the OSR has always been kind of intriguing. And we've been threatening to do an episode on the OSR. And that's not really this one. <laughs> because not really. Because what we're doing is we're just going to go kind of by the seat of our pants tonight and ask some questions about the OSR and comments. We're going to make statements that could be completely wrong. And maybe someone who's listening could say, no, that's not really the way we see the OSR. I know I listened to a couple of OSR podcasts, uh, Tinkar's Tavern. I think John Allen's pretty OSR-ish on Red Dice. Yeah, he, he likes CS Essentials, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, he has BX Essentials is what I believe he is running a campaign in. Yeah, his uh, he's got kind of a a ton a tundra. He's got a northern. It's called storms and snow or something. I don't know. It sounds pretty cool. It's old school essentials um, from Exalted Funeral, and it's basically a BX clone. But we're gonna give some comments of the way we've seen uh, the OSR our interpretation. That is what it seems like people are about, and some could be off, and it's gonna be biased at times. Uh, good what? bad. Yes, because I have some not so – I have some thoughts about the OSR that sometimes I think is not so great, but uh, mostly I like it, though. No, I didn't like the bias word. I think that what we're going to end up saying tonight the is going to be fact, uh, and if it's not, uh, reality will change to make it so. <laughs> I, I like the way you think, but uh, we'll see how this goes. We may come back. Please, if you have a, if you're an OSR player and you really like this stuff, feel free to comment. Say, hey guys, you got it backwards, and we'll say no because we really meant to say what you said. 
So, <laughs> no, just comment. It'll be cool. Dude, I gained this last week. I'm jealous. Should be, because it was pretty cool. The Zoom thing worked out well. We got to play a game. Uh, the worst part of it was, uh, I kind of screwed the adventure. Um, I did a Groundhog Day adventure. Oh. So they had one fight. Uh, over and over again? We did it twice, and then I said we're gonna we're gonna narratively pass through it, and I really didn't do a good job on it. I, I thought it was gonna be obvious. I, w- I don't want to give anything away because I may run other groups through it. Um, I thought they were gonna would be obvious to do something to see this clue that I had this beautiful clue I had all planned, and <laughs> and so that didn't happen. And they were just like running all over the place like chickens with their head cut off, and we're getting really frustrated. So eventually, I had to kind of push, give them, kind of give it away. And I should use the three the three clue rule, but I decided on the one clue rule. Right. So <laughs> I was just getting ready to um, chide you on that. I know we both have listened to that episode of yeah. Mr. Grog, Mr. Sir Grognard, uh, who uh, said you should have three, not just one. Yeah. And I believe he got that from the interwebs because I think that's kind of a standard practice, which I failed on. Yes. We did have, we did have fun. Uh, my wife played. Um Amy and Trent. Well, that's cool. She hasn't played in a while. No. And Kelly and Tim uh, played. We had a great time. We used Zoom. Each couple used one camera on a computer, and it worked fine. Um, we had fun, had some good fights, very good role playing, and played a lot more than I thought. We thought we'd be like, you know, jabbering. I think we role played, was into the game from about 7 to 11.30, and had about a 15-minute break. And we were into it. That's cool. Shot. I was kind of shocked. I expected this to be more, you know, jabber jabber. But anyway, still fun. But the the dungeon master didn't hold up his end of the uh, bargain at the end. It was a little disappointing because I screwed. You all had fun. We had fun. Okay then. That's really all that counts. Well, I'm glad. Um, gaming. I've spoken. You have spoken. If Joe says it, it was fine. My game was perfect. Um. Notice a couple of things. The D&D TV show is in the works. Well, you Yay. Dude, this is by the guy that did uh, John Wick. Okay. I've seen John Wick. It was very good. Yes. But. <laughs> um, I, will, I will. I'm going to force myself. I'm going to, as the TV show that I've, I've seen only bits and pieces of, I'm going to curb my enthusiasm. Now, there is a reason for you to do that, because you noticed a couple of links that I put in the outline. Yes. Did you look at the, did you look at the Hollywood Reporter one? Oh, hold on. No, I've, I've, because the whole John Wick thing I knew about before you had this in the outline. So I didn't. Okay. I didn't because I thought I knew it all. Yeah. Apparently, I don't. <laughs> it says, let me read part of this for you. And I heard someone read this on a different episode. On this particular website, um, The Hollywood Reporter, Dungeons and Dragons series in the works with John Wick writer exclusive. Dragons, orcs, and elves, oh my. Even as Paramount and Hasbro's film entertainment studio, E1, are in the casting stages of a live-action D&D film, Hasbro slash E1 is also laying the groundwork for a television series based on the fantasy role-playing game. Derek Kolstad, the creator and writer behind the John Wick franchise, has been tapped to pin and develop a pitch for live action based on Dungeons & Dragons universe. 
Affectionately referred to by its fans as D&D, the game is known for its wars, treasure hunts, campaigns, camaraderie, and reversals of fortune, all in a setting that combines humans, elves, orcs, and hundreds don't frown, Joe. Hundreds of other fantastical creatures. The game famously uses multi-sided dice in gameplay to further the imaginary story and is overseen by a host known as the Dungeon Master. Launched in 74, talks about a few other things, but that's kind of the... So it's a, clear that this person has no idea what D&D is. I mean, I think it was on Tinkar's Tavern. He was like, wars? What do you mean wars? Then, of course... I think it was Tinker. It was either Tinker and Grognard, because uh, Glenn uh, does a bi-weekly episode with uh, Eric now, a new a new live stream. Uh, Tinker's like live stream with a lot of folks, and I, I do like them. They're good. Um, and I think this came up, and some of the folks watching them live was like, War of the Lands and Greyhawk Wars and From the Ashes. And yeah, but if someone says, what's D&D? The first thing out of my mouth is not wars. Right. And what do you mean Greyhawk Wars? Uh, there was a box set called the Greyhawk Wars when they oh, changed I forgot about that. And out of the ashes that changed sort of the landscape and some of the political situations after that with had to do with Vecna and are either Vecna or um who who's the little Eus, Ius. Ius, Eus, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I use a demigod. Well he's a demigod. Well yeah, he's he's been referred to as a Cambian, but he was a, basically a demigod in most of first edition, I think. But I just found it weird that they mentioned that. That was a a, a a strange turn of phrase and sounds like someone Reversals else. of fortune? I yeah. Think, and, I think this guy just maybe watched a lot, an actual play a couple of times and said, oh, okay. Yeah, he, he mentions that some, too, about actual play and the, you know, the more and more popular it's getting and stuff like that, which is really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm kind of excited is – like I said before, I think I think a TV series would be better than a movie, like an hour well, weekly or yeah, much- like with the article we were discussing in our last episode. That's yep. what they that was suggesting. I agree, um, mainly because you can get good enough production value in a TV show as long as the people involved are serious about it, and uh, you can get good enough writing and. Uh, you can get more into it instead of trying to do a rush job like all the other D and D movies were. Yeah. Although we all want to, we all want to, um, you know, forget that they exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were pretty, pretty painful um, to watch. I mean, I, I tried my best to like that first one, but it was just, Oh, when that beholder was like a watchdog, I was kind of like, Oh, give me a break. That was so insane. And I really kind of don't care that Chris Pine is in it. Um, I like Chris Pine. I liked him as Captain Kirk. He was fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so uh, I want to skip a couple of the news things because I I haven't spent enough time to have comments on them. So if that's okay, I'm kind of going to skip to three. Is that? Did you have a comment on the two or three or two or four? Well, I don't know the the Savage Pathfinder one. Um. Uh, didn't really have anything interesting in it that I saw. No, but it launched today. Yeah, okay. it launches today, yeah. bro. Nineteen. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. You need your three hundred. Need your three hundred dollars, Joe, to get the full Monte. You gonna do it? Absolutely not. Oh, Joseph, come on. You I don't. Three hundred dollars alone. I gotta spend three hundred dollars alone. 
Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this well, is the thing. I might it. Savage Pathfinder is mm-hmm. Savage World's Fantasy. What difference does it make except from a setting point of view of using Pathfinder? It I don't know be- what other rules you need. They may add magic items and give magic items a different spin, so you can have more of them. I don't know. Maybe they'll make it uh, more epic. Higher higher ranks, you think? Hmm. Probably not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I feel like it can't be it can't be vanilla Savage Worlds fantasy if it's Pathfinder. If, if they're trying if they're trying to emulate the Pathfinder Galarian world, that's pretty magic rich. Yeah. It is. It is. I agree. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm, I'm pretty excited, but I'm not sure how much I'm going to back it. I, my first gut feeling was I'm going all the way in, but then I th- I'm with you. I think there's a little bit of a pause there. Um, it may not be as good as we hope, but I, I kind of think it'll be pretty good, though. I don't think it's going to suck. Oh, probably not. Yeah. So, And then uh, that's really all I wanted to talk about as far as the gaming news goes. Oh, you wanted to skip down to four, how to role play. Well, actually, the truth was on that one, I didn't get to read that. That was just one that looked good. I've been very I've been very remiss today in getting my reading done. Holy crap, dude. You're the one who came up with the news. I know. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Interesting articles that I didn't read. And here's why, because I spent so much time on what our previous topic was. Uh, oh. We were talking to do 5e, and I read tons about bounded accuracy and stuff like that, and then I forgot those things. So I do apologize. I'm not fully prepared. Did you get to read it? I know, because I worked late. <laughs> that's right. So that's what I'm saying. I was trying to do that smoothly, but Joe had to make me look dumb. So always count for Joe making me look like a good I already boy. don't like the article. <laughs> oh, It has a – don't compare yourself with the big names. There are no big names in role playing as a role player. Who cares? They're they're talking about critical role, of course. All right, that might be a whole topic. Big next. names, whatever. <laughs> Dude, they make money, so they're big. Well, I'm sure that they're nice folks. I never watch it because actual plays make me sleepy. Um, I understand he's a good voice over actor, but. There's another guy that uh, that I saw compared to him. Yeah. People were saying this guy is really good. He's um, much of who's it on uh, Critical Role. That doesn't have anything on him as far as acting goes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. We're not acting. Right. <laughs> that is, and that's going to be a topic I think at some point. We're going to talk about what that's supposed to mean. Acting? Are you acting when you're role playing? I don't know. I don't think everybody does. I think some people take it a little more serious than others. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. That's just not what I prefer. I mean, I maybe a little bit. I probably throw in a little RP acting, just tiny bit now and again. Yeah. I think. Well, you've seen me. I when I'm in the when I'm in the zone, I can get way into it. I do like I like a little little acting amongst my friends, but it's really low key. It's nothing like what you see on Critical Role, I would imagine. So I only can imagine because I've never watched it. Right. So yeah. We'll get Which back makes to me, maybe that maybe someone needs to take my geek cred away. Because that, that oh. uh, that's uh, apparently too, in the grand scheme of things, Critical Role's too new. 
and it's kind of its own thing. Um, talked a little bit with our friends Amy and Trent, and I did some research too. They swear it's not scripted. It's not a scripted thing, and online they swear it's not scripted. They're just that good. So, But I can't say because I've not watched it, so I don't know what that means by saying they're that good. Yeah, the reality of TV shows is say the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. you question it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You question whether it's scripted, huh? Okay, okay. Well, we'll see. Um, maybe one day we'll talk about that. I believe we have a friend that wants to discuss that very idea or something tangent to that. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, time for the big topic today. We decided that, again, uh, I want to talk about OSR. And so I quickly found a definition online, um, old school revival or old school renaissance. That's what OSR stands for usually. Uh, It is a movement among players of tabletop role-playing games, especially Dungeons & Dragons, that draws inspiration from the earliest days of tabletop RPGs in the 70s. Though I have heard some folks say anything that is pre-Watsy, is considered OSR. I believe that. I believe that. At least uh, I believe that point of view because I remember hearing about it um, when third edition, uh, when third edition came out. And that's when it happened. Right. So I remember hearing about OSR Mm -hmm. and Osric. I said, what's that? And old school Renaissance, Renaissance. I didn't get that. I thought it was kind of weird. And uh, when people said they don't like the new game, I was like, well, they're, they got to be a bunch of weirdos. How can you not like third edition? <laughs> I know. He loved it, dude. He was like, what? Are you insane? Third yeah. edition is the be all end all of Dungeons and Dragons. So, but yeah, at least we thought we thought that in 1999, 2000. And it's kind of funny. They would call it old school if you were like, if you were referencing first or second edition or second edition, especially because it was barely, barely old. Right. I mean, third At that point, what, out. 10 years? Yeah, I'm, I'm not, what I'm saying is, in 2000, let's say, I think I think 99 is when third came out. And 99. Oh, oh, oh. I believe so, or 2000. Yeah, and so, so it's that's like, 25 years. But a year or two, year, year two before, you're playing second. How old is it? Yeah, I mean, that's is it true. ancient? But mm-hmm. I mean... I think I think if you go to the seventies though, if you're playing a if you're playing a clone, which there's lots of clones of that's a lot of what people do. They use clones of the old games. Um, you know, and playing, yeah, the retro clones, uh things like Labyrinth Lord and um what else we got? Uh Sword and Sword and Wizardry. Yeah. Um and so I think they all and each one of them, you know, there's bunches of them. I've I've not done deep research, but each one is kind of a clone of either say BX D and D, which would be like, you know, the mold bay or, or maybe the mincer. And then you got some that are truly clones of O D and D with Arneson and Gygax or first edition. I think for Gold and Glory is a is a retro clone of second edition. I have that PDF. Um oh, I never heard of that. Yeah, and it's a it's a retro clone, a single bound volume with all the stuff in it. And then Osric is definitely a retro clone of One E, but that's all considered OSR. And so what I wanted to talk about is from our our little bit of exploration, and I've, I think I've motivated Joe because he sent me a few texts this week to start looking into OSR a little bit. And uh, what makes a game OSR? And this is our musings. This is our what we've seen, what we believe. Um, and I do think, um, it does have to have sort of a, of, I think it has a focus on rulings, not rules. Yeah. I've heard that mantra 
on uh, a few of the OSR podcasts that I've listened to. Um, I don't listen to a lot of them. You know, the ones that we talk about on here, I listen to regularly, Red Dice Diaries and Radio Grognard. Rulings versus rules is kind of a is kind of the watch. I don't want to say watchword because that's more than one word, but it's uh, a mantra that's that's used frequently. Um, and I get it. You don't want to have that. That was as much as we liked third edition. At some point, we kind of realized that there was there was too too many rules. I think well, I know you I, said I, it before I well, thought it. My personal experience was this. I mean, to be honest with you, I felt almost handcuffed by the rules, which is crazy. I mean, you know what kind of evil DM I was? I was like, sure. I don't like it. We're not we're not doing it. This is how I do it. And I didn't care what you guys thought, which is not right. really fair, but I was like that back in the day. This is how we're doing it at my table. And when I got to third edition, for some reason, I got a lot of new players, an influx of new players. I'd recently moved to Michigan. And I think I told you this before, I felt... They kind of knew the rules better than me, so I was feeling beholden to them, and I found myself the way the rules are written, even though they still had the rule zero, which is do whatever you want at your table, which you should anyway. I mean, that's just how you can. No one can, They don't need to write it. You do whatever you want anyway. But I felt like I need to use every rule, attacks of opportunity, five footsteps, and I was resistant at first, but I could tell the game wasn't working like intended at all, and then I found myself handcuffed. I thought third edition halfway through i was like they made this almost trying to take the dm out of the equation and i think osr wants to bring the dm back you know in terms of giving more power to the dm and i don't know i don't know if that's good or bad it's just a style choice that you like to play in right right and yeah and i get that um i don't know how much early on that was one of the things about the, the, the DM, uh, but definitely, uh, I think from hearing from uh, these uh, different podcasts, most OSR folks like few rules and they like simple. Um, on the Red Dice Diaries, uh, the before he moved it from Anchor. Uh, I can't remember. I, I saw it the other day. What what he uses now, but I can't remember. Speak pipe. No, that's just for the uh, voice. Oh, but okay. That's not the host. Oh, okay. Um, the host is something else. Um, Pod Sprout or something like that. Anyway. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, when he it was still on anchors, it's all the episodes are still there. But uh, one of the older episodes from Anchor, he had. Um, a couple of his uh, online gaming uh, crew would come on with him, and this one guy tease was is always teasing the OSR folks about the rules part. Right. And, uh, it's pretty funny. I don't know if you heard any of those, but uh, no, Are these older so, episodes. Yeah, they're not real old. Right. But but um, pre. You know, back in his um, anchor days, and oh. he's really fun. He's real funny. He likes to tease, and he's all you can tell. It's all good natured, and uh, about the about the simple rules, few rules, um, right. 
And I also remember listening to, uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast, these uh, two or three guys who would talk about structure of games Mm -hmm. and the game has to have at least one rule. And uh, they always talk very technical and stuff like that. Talk about story beats all the time and they're more into the indie games and uh, a lot of the indie games have a few rules too. It's kind oh, yeah. of a, but they're not, yeah. they're not old school because I think that the other thing that differentiates uh, um, old school is they don't have many of the uh, indie bits, especially like the narrative control stuff. Oh yeah. And, and, more and, and the game, yeah. And, and the game is definitely about delving into crazy dungeons uh, getting treasure, killing monsters, taking their stuff, and that's kind of the story. And you're adventurers, you're not always heroes, but one comment about the OSR, which is funny, especially if we consider it pre-1990 or pre-Watsy D&D, you can't say first edition had a few rules. No. That's a rule. And second edition was rule. They're all rule-heavy, rules-heavy. I, I would think so. We didn't even use uh, we didn't use weapon speed. We didn't use spell casting segments. We tried it and that sucked beyond belief. I mean, we didn't use much of nothing. Uh, the weapons versus armor. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Talk about stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, maybe in a real melee it matters. Maybe a mace is more effective against plate mail than a sword. But who's got time for that crap at the table? I don't. What? How did they figure out the numbers? Did they take like did they put they put like pigs in armor and then you know test out the different weapons? Say yeah, that looks like probably de- deflected you know that much. <laughs> oh, switch out the pig. Uh, it's dead now. Time for a pig roast. Or well, whatever. I mean, they they tried to be simulationists more. I thought they were, and right. they came from a war gaming route. So I'm yeah. sure in war games you spend time thinking about that and reading up on weaponry and. You know, I mean, Gygax had the polearm section in the player's handbook, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. <laughs> a Bill arm and a Beck to Corbin and whatever the heck those things were, right? Right. So, but Long um, sticks with fiddly bits at one end that you yeah, didn't sure. stick it in you. Yeah, long sticks with pointy parts. Don't let them hit you with the pointy part. No. Yeah, so um, speaking on that with the, the types of – so with old school – Am I using the word correct? What does ethos mean? That sounds like something that should fit here. Was is there an ethos to old school? Ethos is a word. What does that mean? I'm I'm looking that up. Look it up. The character spirit of culture. The character spirit of a culture, era, or community as manifested in its beliefs. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there was an there was definitely an ethos. I thought I had the word right. Yeah. Uh, and, um, what we were just saying is part of that ethos. Yeah. Um, rules not a uh, rulings not rules or whatever however they however it's stated. Yeah, and you know it's it's not about <laughs> one thing on Stack Exchange that is not about acting. It's an adventure game with adventurers delving in weird places, finding creepy crawly things, odd magical items, and hordes of gold. Sometimes right. Gonzo bits and maybe a little sci-fi thrown in, kind of the you know the appendix in in the old DMG. Those kind of adventures and stories. Right. You right. Know? You had all the um, um, liter- uh, inspiring literature. Is that what Appendix M was? Mm-hmm. Now, right, I've, always right, thought, right. I, I've always thought this, too. When I listen to some of, uh, you know, um, Glenn at Grognard and Eric at Tinker's Tavern, a lot of the old school guys 
uh, which is funny that I actually found myself listening in the last year. I've gravitated to fans of old school, even though I'm not playing it. And I can't say I know my, my nostalgia bug has bit me for since I went to Gen Con 50. I can't seem to break it. I wonder sometimes if I'm drawn to that because I really want to go back and play that game or if I just want to go back and capture the feel of that era. Maybe it's a little both. I mean, I know I've gravitated toward them more because they're not as woke as the uh, <laughs> as all the mo- the modern game podcasts are all just so they, they are so woke school. I mean, woke religion, church, whatever you want to call it. it yeah, it just turns me off. Me too. And, and all the OSR folks talk about is the game. They might be woke. Yeah. And that's fine if you are, but I don't want to. I don't want to hear it when I'm wanting to do listen to stuff about RPGs. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I was gung ho about us doing this is because I was tired of not being able to find a podcast that didn't have woke crap all in it. Now, to be fair, we kind of go we we beat woke stuff to death so we're anti-woke and someone can say i don't like anti okay that's cool don't listen to us it's fine and that's fair it's a fair call yeah. but but part of it's because we're tired of it yeah that's why we speak about it we're just sick of it and there are some podcasts that i no longer listen to because of that there's a couple that are just on the edge that i listen to but sometimes i'm just like uh i can't take it any i, mean, I don't know if i can take it anymore um but uh old school and you I- don't see it in the games either the, the osr games themselves oh, wow. You don't see any of that because they get down to the the game, the the the, the, the light rules that they usually have. They emulate the old uh, the old rules. They have their little spin on it, and they they don't care about the other stuff because one, they want to keep the production down to a minimum and cost to a minimum. A lot of them are free, uh, so you can't just you can't put all that stuff in there and increase the page count and all the other stuff. OSR seems to be that would that's one thing that draws is because it doesn't concern itself with modern social ills. True. And you you I think you alluded to this too. They do tend to be cheaper products. Yes. On the whole. Not always. I mean, old school essentials is a pretty expensive, pretty standard price. And I thought about getting it because the dude, I've heard him interviewed, he seems pretty cool. I think he's a British guy. And um, it's a necrotic gnome. I think he's that's his company. And that it's basically cool. a, it's basically a BX clone. And he's recently done a Kickstarter to advance it a little further in levels. And um, yeah, they just kind of they tend to make stuff a little and it's kind of a DIY, too. I mean, they encourage do-it-yourself. They get they, Their community seems to get pumped if someone comes up with something new that's their own little thing. Look, I have this new version of D&D. Uh, what's the one? Oh, not Old School Essentials. There's another one that I hear on Gaming and BS that uh, the guy No, it's um, – <clears throat> I can't think of the game. I've got it somewhere in my hard drive, and it's – because the basic one is free. And uh, – it's like he, he made it. It's like 40 pages and they kind of applaud people. Oh, you just made a super small game and it's, it's got the feel of D and D and, you know, less rules and we can just make more, you know, more calls. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think they pushed the whole playing the game. Shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg. Right. And I agree with that. Um, even, uh, that's one of the things that I really agreed with, with, um, John Allen large on red dice. Is he was he had a podcast about that and he brought it up um, a couple of times in other podcasts that I heard 
where he was like, yeah, the books are nice and they're well made and all that. But, you know, not everybody has fifty, sixty dollars. And I've even said that fifty, sixty dollars right. to lay down for a book every time someone puts out something new. Fifty, sixty bucks. Why do you need all this fantastic art? I, I remember when third edition came out and prior to third edition, the art was kind of hit, really hit and miss. And hmm. um, I think once Watsy got the, the property, um, they upped the game and we're all like, well, that's pretty cool. It's nice having some interesting art in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not essential, but it's nice, but yeah. it does drive up the price. Oh, absolutely. No doubt, dude. I mean, the, the art is, I mean, our buddy Patrick, I mean, that's a, he, he got to looking in that and he was like, oh my God, art, hire art artists kind of pricey. Right. And it's okay because they got to get paid too. I get it. It's labor intensive. Absolutely, no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're lifting heavy things, but it's time consuming, and it is. And it's a it's skill. Work. It's a it's skill work. that yeah. I can't do. Right. So I got to pay for that. Yeah, pay. I understand. I, I think, and you know, I'm. I got a pretty good job. I make decent money, so I can. I tend to splurge. You know, I got a bunch of crap I don't need, but I mean. I do like books that look shiny and new and cool. I mean, you know, holy crap, look at this thing. Well, you have a, you have a version of this, don't you, Arts and Arcana? Yeah, I don't have that one. Yeah, so I bought I splurged for the stupid big thing, but it's man, it's beautiful and honestly, I like it. I, I, the older I get, I'm actually happy I bought the I got two of the three Hackmaster uh, nice stitch versions of Monster Manual in the player's book. If I could have, I would have bought the the player the GM's guide. If it was sixty bucks, I'd have bought it. Right, because it's cool. It looks great. Right. I'm kind of a, I'm a sucker for something that looks good, but I also appreciate a good deal. I mean, no doubt about that. Right. And uh, what? but if I'm gonna lay down sixty bucks, I'm gonna, I'm gonna want to play it, and I'm gonna. <laughs> it's not well. But <laughs> if it, if the company belongs to the woke church, I'm not buying their book. I'm yeah. definitely not gonna spend sixty bucks on it. Maybe ten. Right. Yeah, I, I would be inclined. Like I bought Watsy stuff, and uh, not Paizo stuff because I'm just kind of out of that. But Watsy stuff that since I've banned myself, but I've always bought it third party through eBay at a discount. You know, I'm willing to buy it. I won't go buy it new, and uh, just won't do it. But uh, what about this? I also think old school seems to be more about the player skill than the character skill because there's very few skills. In most old school games, right? So right? it well definitely player cleverness, right? So skill. so right. so the skill of the player trying to figure out how they can finagle themselves into a good position uh, or kind of a um, yeah the skill of the player being able to describe or convince the DM that what they have just described is interesting enough for them to get a bonus on a roll yeah. or to even get a roll or to even kind of, I remember, I remember the word no being frequent. <laughs> it wasn't my table. Cause nope. I was like, I don't Can I do that. No, 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 no. Yeah. But what about this? What about that? Shouldn't I be able to do this? And you know, the older I get, honestly, if we went back now, I would probably be more of a pushover in a game like that because the truth of it is, if someone said, look, Randy, 
I'm a, I do rock climbing for a living. I mean, I do it all the time. That is my deal. And I know them and they do. And, you know, I would have a much better than this chance to climb this if I have this physical ability and this many ranks of the skill. Or even if I don't have you, if you don't have ranks, forget ranks. That's kind of new school. Just, you know, I'm a rogue. I can climb like a madman. This, this particular wall is not that hard. There's tons of decent handholds so I could do it. And it shouldn't be a roll of 15 or higher. It should be 10 or higher. And I might be swayed more now than I was back in the day. Right. Right. And I, and I think that's encouraged at the table. I think it's also encouraged. And I want to use the word skill, not just persuasion because you, you have Persuasion's skill. From, a skill. Agreed. Agreed. But I mean, you can have player skill in navigating a dungeon. Like, you know, don't, we need to shoot the rebel. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. You need tactical. to go up and put yeah, course, tactical tactics. stuff. You need yeah. to put your hands underneath the bed frame and reach right along one of the slats, the longer slats. So someone that's really creative and thinks about nooks and crannies and sees things and visualizes things, they can be rewarded in an old school type game, especially if you're running an old school Gygax dungeon. Oh, you know, yeah, so because when they investigate the, the that bunk and that slat, if they if uh, if they find the third screw, <laughs> twist it to the left, then they'll find the magic item. And right. It'll be like a hammer of thunderbolts or something like that. <laughs> it won't be weenie. It'll be no. Uh, it'll be some. It'll be something interesting. They take the third screw out of that slat and falls out and magically turns into a hammer of thunderbolts. Right. But you've got to think to even try that. And there's nothing about the dungeons that I recall in old school that even hint at that. I mean, it's a little weird. It is. And of course, and of course there's yeah. your favorite thing, Joe. What's that? Fancy and magic seems to be prevalent in old school. Fancy and prevalent. <laughs> is that generous? <laughs> I would say nigh exclusive. Really? Um, I there might be some OSR out there that. Uh, that doesn't have it, and I and I did some searching. Not a, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but it came down to a Reddit thread where they were saying, "Yeah, uh, I have a home a homebrew uh, non-Vancian uh, uh, thing I use, but nothing nothing published that I could tell. Right. But but I haven't been delving into OSR for very long, so you never know." Well, and if you're going to base it on 1970s D&D or pre-Watsi, I mean, Vancian was the thing. It didn't change from zero to basic to rule cyclopedia to 1E to 2E, though skills and powers at the end did do some messing around with stuff. But yeah. spells and powers, whatever it was, I don't, I don't remember. But uh, Third edition was Vancian, too. Right, but I'm just saying old school, That's that's probably, maybe it's a sacred cow. I don't know. Oh, I know why. It's it's simple, so people like it because it's simple. Straightforward. How spell, but how spell points not simple? I don't know. That seems simple. Because instead of saying I have X, Y, and Z spell that I can cast, I have a pool of spell points from which to cast X, Y, and Z spells of any uh, combination. So one level of choice <clears throat> above. It's a, uh, I wouldn't call it more complex unless there are a lot of other things that um, the spell point system has. But if it's just you have some points and you have some spells and there's nothing else to it, it's, that wouldn't be a whole lot different from Vancian 
as far as level of complexity. Right. This spell uh, costs one. This costs three. This costs five. Yeah. But the complexity, but there, the you would require a slight bit more effort maybe at the table because you would have to um, choose on the fly. Decision uh, points. You'd have you have more decision points. Yeah. So because on the uh, fly you have to. Oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, but you'd like to see a an official old school game that doesn't use Vancey and see how it looks like. See what it looks like. You'd like to see know. anything without Vancey. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Vancey is your kind of bugaboo. Yeah, it is. Um, it's my kryptonite. Something that I didn't put in the outline because well, I put it together five minutes before the show. Another thing I think they do, just listening to the podcast with old schools, I think they mostly play low-level games. Oh, definitely. definitely. Almost never hear anybody like, everybody like, ooh, I got a 15th-level character. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. She's like, first to sixth or seventh. Game over, start a new campaign. Right. I mean, and I've, heard, I've heard them say they like people. I like levels one to three. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying with your silence, Joseph? Um, one to three. I mean, I've played levels one to three lots. Yes, you have. Um, I'd like to play higher because yeah. I haven't played that lots because right. games peter out. Um, I don't know what it is. I never really lose interest in a particular character of mine uh, until the game falls apart. And then there's nothing to keep interest in a character you know you're never going to play. And, but as, and long as, yeah. as long as play is viable, I maintain interest in a character. Well, uh, and you said, too, you would love to take that character to a different campaign. What if someone would just let you take that character and finish playing him, even if it was somewhere else? Yeah, or just continue to play. And that doesn't necessarily have to be high level, but continuing to play would be nice. And yeah. uh, even if the advancement's slow, but uh, most games don't get past 10th level. OSR games all seem to be uh, 12th. Well, the, the highest level I've seen them is t- um, 14. Uh, well, there's probably ones that are higher, but for I was working for Golden Glory do our first and second clone, so that I'm sure they got they go to twentieth. Yeah, I'm not sure. I but it doesn't sound like anybody plays like that. Yeah, most it just seems like low level play is the thing. And uh I don't get that. Well Some people think low level's more interesting, but to me it's kind of boring. You know what I like about low level play? is getting to know the characters and then I want them to hurry up and get to fifth or sixth level. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if we start, right. first that is, camp, yeah, that is cool. Yes. Like let's see who they are. Let them kind of live a little bit when it's dangerous and then let's get to where they're good. Right. <laughs> so I can throw some really crazy crap at them. Right. You know, but yeah, I think old school just tends to, it'd be neat to hear from anybody out there that would, would argue differently. I mean, I'm sure there's people that consider consider themselves OSR that play high level. I know I'm, I can't remember the name of the website, but I've been reading several articles from this guy. I need to send it to you. You might like it. And he talks about how he either interviewed Tim Kask. Do you know who Tim Kask is? The name's familiar, but. 
friend of Gagax, he was one of the original old guard guys, okay? Okay. I've seen him interviewed. He's like a really – seems like a hoot. He'd be a really cool guy. And he made a comment that he wasn't sure when they were doing old D&D and starting to make their first edition, when the first edition was just in the planning stages, they heard from people playing really high level and like even killing gods. And while that sounds crazy – but even to him, he's like, we couldn't even imagine playing. Why would you want to play a character above seventh or eighth level? Their premise was their mindset was like, we well, are already practically unstoppable. Why would you want to play higher? That was their thought. And I know you can't see this, but Joe's given the eyebrow raise of doom. But the, practically the is, unstoppable. Think about it, though. Think about it. Okay, pull back. Pull back, Joe. Let's let's get rid of Joe's biases for the moment. And imagine, imagine. I only have reality. I have no bias. Oh, shut your pile. So <laughs> anyway, uh, imagine. So you created this. We, you are the person. You're Gygax and I'm Cask. We just created the game. And we're coming from a wargaming background. And all of a sudden, your wizard now can cast Fireball. And you guys are thinking like Napoleonic battles. This is where your your experience is from, right? Sure, sure. And, and all of a sudden, you got a wizard that can drop a couple of fireballs in the middle, middle of the battle. Right. There'd be a lot of soldiers be making morale checks after oh, sure. one fireball. Oh, sure. And you would, you would, from a perspective of someone that's somewhat grounded in reality, which their perspectives were, be like, holy balls. That dude is ridiculous. He is a godlike archmage. Whereas you and I know there's spells now that are like, you know, Abidazim's Horror Wilting and, you know, Whale of the Banshee and Time Stop. But that was that's so epic for them. Just blowing up 25 soldiers or even 10 soldiers in a fireball is insane. And I could imagine them thinking, wow, you are you've reached it. You're the great mage. You know, I remember reading Hamlet and they were talking how great the wizard's name was Burn in Hamlet. This powerful mage retired, and I looked at his stats. He was like seventh or eighth level, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, yeah, he's he's awesome." <laughs> and of course, w- when we look at the books, we see well, levels one to twenty, so seventh level is not high level. Why are you stopping? Right, and I think that's that's why um, hit dice stop at like ninth level, mm-hmm. because the conception of playing beyond ninth level was just, you know, it was incomprehensible, but it shouldn't have been because even at that point, you had monsters that could take that fireball and say, that's all you got. Like giants, yeah. like a giant, like giants or, or a demon who's immune to it. Yeah. Who's immune to Hello, squish the wizard. So, um, from the perspective of, from a narrow perspective, yeah, um, if your if your conception is more like Lord of the Rings type of um, atmosphere, mm-hmm. throwing a, down a fireball, yeah, yeah, that would be ultimate because I mean nobody throws down fireballs in that in in that uh, setting, uh, so. That would be that would definitely be something. Yeah, uh, but but as far as D and D goes, it just sounds weird. And they made the game, so they know that these monsters. I mean, and you have to think about even the possible damage that you're going to do, and the fact that monsters are going to save. You're going to probably roll. I mean, 
uh, it just it just seems weird that that would be the thought process. Which well, is probably why I'm not as attracted to OSR as the OSR people, because a lot of them think that way, too. I think they do. Yeah. And again, you P- OSR people, if you're listening to the podcast, I invite you to give us examples to show us that we're wrong. Um, and, you know, that could be a conceit. Maybe OSR is meant to be grittier. Life is cheap. That's another thing. Life is tends to be cheap in OSR. I'm, I know enough- that. Yeah. I remember old in the old. uh there were discussions about how many adventures would be on a game world. And I don't know what book had it, maybe the DMG had how many X level people would be in a given settlement. And once you got up to 20th level, there would be practic there wouldn't be that many, if any. So you'd get to the idea that if you made it to high, high level, you'd be the, you'd be big dogs on the planet. I mean, planet wide. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, was like one in a hundred thousand wizards was was an archmage, like twentieth level, something like that. it was very low numbers, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, you don't, you don't need a couple thousand wizards laying down, you know, meteor swarm. You won't have a world <laughs> yeah. left ver- world right. for very long. Yeah, that's kind of how the Forgotten Realms a little hard to buy sometimes. Sure. We got an archmage around every corner, and so how come the world's not been scorched earth? I don't know why. That's why why I liked Greyhawk better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had, they had some weird weird. Uh, they had some folks, but not like Forgotten Realms. It was like all they were all over the place. The Harpers is that where the Harpers were at? Yeah, but the Harpers have yeah they're led, they were led by Kelvin Blackstaff, the original, who was actually a guy, not the new one, who's a female. Alrighty then. So yeah, <laughs> there's that. Well, you know, it's and I remember the folio. I loved the folio when I first got. It. I mean, that fold-up thing for Greyhawk that had the cool map in it. You know, the map we've talked about, the Greyhawk map, the world map. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The two poster map, which I still have all taped up, and now it's been uh, laminated. But they they describe kind of the ruler in each land, and it was amazing how many were not teens. Right. I mean, I think the Circle of Eight has a member who is, I think, was it? Who's the one that's got the, not Tasha, but one of the wizards, Melf, was an eighth-level wizard and like a fifth-level fighter, and he was in the Circle of Eight, I believe. Or maybe he was just a a uh, retainer of one of the, I don't know, some of the Circle of Eight were not Archmages, though several were. The Circle of Eight were like the most powerful wizards in the world, pretty close. Did you pay attention to um, um, Telemanicor? That's uh, pretty much an OSR yeah. type of uh, thing. And uh, the wizard enemy, the bad guy in that, had an apprentice. And he's only a third-level wizard. And, you know, he, yeah, he was only a third-level wizard and had an apprentice already. Yes. Was the only third? I thought he leveled up during the story and was fourth now. Well, yeah, yeah. The, I'm just saying at the time when he was. Yeah, he his time. He had a and he had a first or second level apprentice. Yeah, that's pretty weird. I guess the concept, and I guess with life being cheap and like you know, the idea is, you know, and I hear a lot of OSR people think it's kind of silly to have you know complex backgrounds for your first level character because well they're got a good chance of just being dead after their first adventure, and. 
if you finally, you know, died, your first four or five characters died, and you finally get a wizard to fifth or sixth level, you might feel like a total BA. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a possibility too. So, but I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I I lean. I'm I'm for playing characters. The idea of playing characters to the end is great. I mean, I'm. I've always said, I know you probably don't believe it, but I would love to see you or anyone else have a true Archmage, someone that gets to super high level, you know, and can really, you know. I did have one. Oh, yeah, Fulsivar. Fulsivar, but, you know, that was back in the, uh, in your, um, um, he made those levels back in your Monty Hall uh, phase, so. But you did play of him, a variation of him in the seven spheres and took him to like 10th to 24 plus, whatever he was. Remember? Yeah, he's. I think he started out a little higher than that, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that doesn't count. No? I like starting at first level. Okay. And progressing up, but I don't like staying there. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah. I'd I, I do kind of – one thing I like about 5e, not to get too far into that, is I do like the idea, or even in 13th Age, they suggest you get characters through first and second level pretty quick, that you don't make them sit at first or second level. 13th Age says that, and 5e suggests it because their experience point chart is so small from first to second and third, but they even in, encourage it. And in 5e, they should because your first level characters suck. They're super weak, super weak. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Any other any other properties come to mind or qualities come to mind when you think about the OSR? Um. And again, let, let me clarify for everybody. We're just kind of these are the things we think we see when we look at OSR stuff. It may not be the intentions, but it may be what just what we see. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think what else might. So. Um, light on the rules. Yep. Rulings are, are what the, the the GM rulings are are the focus, not the rules. Mm-hmm. Low level. Yep. Um, Fancy. Right. Because cheap. it's huh? Cheap products. Cheap, yes. Inexpensive. Inexpensive products. Right. Um, D and D seventies, eighties, nineties. Yeah. So gritty. Yep. I don't. I don't know that there would be uh, nothing that comes to mind beyond that that stuff. Not yeah, that I mean, there's nothing else there. It's just as as far as a uh, overarching type of uh, concept. Those are pretty much what I see. Yeah, I think so too. I think the idea of an adventure game. It's not about play acting. Is definitely true. You build a character, go out there, and hope he survives his first couple levels, and maybe he'll be somebody special. He'll be a king one day. He'll rule a land at eighth level, and you can retire him and do first level all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering you only made it to fourth or fifth level anyway, and the campaign is over. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, the Archmage so, of the Land. What level are you? Fourth. Fourth. Almost it took me 10 years to get there, too. Yeah, I wonder if speed of play is a thing. Do they slow things down? I wonder if they do it slow on purpose. Do you think they slow things on purpose? Is it slowed down? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how long. Uh, because, you know, we don't play in that genre. We just, I, I mean, it's more of a an interest and less of a thing that we do. So um, I know they they probably have actual plays out there like everybody else does, but. 
they'd probably be just boring. I'm trying to remember. I know the first level wizard in first edition had to get, was it 2,250 experience points or 2,500 experience points? Something like that. So that's a lot. Yeah. And the thief would be third level by then. Okay. What about, uh, we'll slide in this topic into Cabin Con, a little Cabin Con moment. OSR at Cabin Con. So this year, I'm running OD&D. I'm running White Box. White Box. White Box. And Mike, one of our buddies, says he's going to run Basic Expert. Oh, wow. He's going to run the the Rules Cyclopedia Basic Expert stuff, I believe. He showed that online. If you check the Facebook, uh, our Facebook page, he's going to do that. Um, And Tim Scott, Tim, is kind of... uh, he says he'd love to play some second edition, so he might run that. So we're going to get a taste of old school. I don't think we've had much in the past. Have we had any real old school you can recall? Not really. It's been third edition, Star Wars, uh, 13th Age, Savage Worlds. Pathfinder. Pathfinder. For the longest, it was primarily or almost all Pathfinder. Yeah. For, for several years. Yeah, 3.x of some sort. Yeah. Um, no, so, I don't think we had, I don't think we've actually had any yeah. OSR. We talk about it a lot. So this year it's going to happen. I mean, I know I'm running Sunday, an old D&D, OD&D game, and you can't get more old school than what I'm going to run. I'm running the original white box. Um, and from what I've been reading about it, they say the rules are pretty mysterious, meaning they assume you know things. <laughs> and from what I've read, I think they're right. So I'm probably going to be making crap up as I go along. <laughs> so that should be pretty fun. And, um, yeah. Uh, do you think our group, our, I think our dudes are amenable to the idea? Probably. Probably. Especially ones that are kind of um, soured on Pathfinder. Yep. But, Yeah. And, you know, if you run something, people are going to play. Oh, well, yeah. Cool. There's, yeah. That'd be nice. I like that. So I'm going to run something, and it's going to be OSR. That's one of the things I'm going to run. Uh, I know you won't. It's probably going to be first level. Not because I like first level, but because I want to do the real. I don't know. We'll see. Once I read it and get in there, I may say, no, nah, I'm going to make them higher level. We'll see how it goes. Um, What about, so that's. So that's good to know. What about our uh, our gaming world? Do you think how much how much OSR influence do you think would be in our game? Well, I think that what we're going to do is there we're probably going to have some uh, nostalgia related direction. So we're probably I think we're probably I think probably the better best way that we might describe it is. Uh, um, I don't know. Old school influenced, perhaps? Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, or maybe it'll be like Goodman Games. What was that third edition rules? And it was Necromancer Games, but third edition rules, first edition feel. The original Rapanathuk. Remember that? Oh, okay. edition? And that was right. their that was their tagline. First edition third edition oh, rules. Yeah, that's first true. edition feel. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's pro- I don't know if I think of a good word for it because to say that it's influenced, it's only influenced in the sense that we've played the old games a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And we are, and we have been talking a lot about things like I've been talking a lot about Castle Crusades. We've talked about different experience point charts. 
I got a feeling we're going to do something like that where it'll have bits and pieces. So it might just be influenced, maybe, probably, but it, I don't think it'll be an OSR game. Probably not really, because it's not going to have fancy magic. No if way. If I have anything to say about it. Uh, Joe, as much as I think you should love it, I think I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that it's not going to be that. In fact, honestly, I'm a spell points guy. Yeah. I, I like the simplicity. I like it in Savage Worlds. I mean, whatever version we use, I want to try spell points first. See how it goes. So, so we're yeah. not going to go the 3X or Pathfinder uh, psionic points route where you get oh, a boatloads and then all kinds of ways you can jack up everything so that by the time you're 20th level, you're casting 30 or more ninth level <laughs> spells. Yeah, well, yeah, that's now we can't do that. I mean, I, I want a 20th level wizard to be total BA, but come on, he ain't got to be throwing time stop 11 times a day and meteor swarm five times a day. Oh, yeah. More like four. Four. Four is more than enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we've beat what we know about OSR to death. What do you think, bro? I think that's pretty good. I, I just got in, I, I downloaded it a while back, like maybe a year or two ago. But I just started re-evaluating, uh, uh, and I think it's considered OSR. Uh, it's, but it's a different game. It's not really. Anyway, it's uh, Warrior Rogue Mage. Hmm. I was I was talking to you about it before yeah, we started. Yeah. And uh, it's old school in feel, but it does. It's not a. It's not a retro clone of any kind. Right. Uh, it's uh, you only ever roll a single d6. And you add your huh. modifiers. It has a oh. set of difficulty levels for different things, and uh, you have three stats. It's very simple. Hmm. Um, and it's free. The whole game. The game has like four or five uh, uh, extra things added to it. Uh, four or five different. It's a short book that's free, but it also has a part of a bundle of things uh on drive through rpg uh, like expansions if you can call them that uh, so that's what the, what's in the bundle the game plus a, like five either four or five expansion things and hmm. uh it's all free oh wow it's very are you, are you just very yes yeah, like a very i think i've seen that before that is a very light game and you had told me before that it was really simple um, but you, you don't you don't you don't generally gravitate to are you just exploring this is that what you're doing yeah i'm just looking at it yeah it's simple but it's not i don't think it's so simple that you can't pull off even epic games hmm. oh that's not bad then that's it has teleportation magic in it and uh of course fireballs and lightning bolts and stuff like that sure hmm. okay cool yeah, I haven't done anything more than Castles and Crusades as far as looking at old school stuff. I got a, I told you a while back they had the seventh edition for free or sixth edition, whatever it was. And right. I kind of I like the I like the I like the feel. I like the reading it. It kind of I enjoy the way they write their writing style. It's kind of first edition, but I'm not sure if I love it. But so, anything else you want to mention OSR ish, or you feel like we've I, I think know? we beat it to beat it beat the horse. Um, Yay! Dead. Eat the horse. The dead horse is dead again. Okay. 
Well, if you'd like to support our show, please check out our website, www.biggestgeekestpodcast.com slash support. Any contributions, much appreciated. We really would uh, thank you for that. Uh, we also would really like you to share this with your friends. Uh, probably that's more helpful than even giving us a little pocket change. Um, if you have any app that we are not on, you know of one, please let us know. We're pretty much available all over the place right now, Joe. Yeah, actually, I found a new one. Which one? Um, can't remember now. Perfect. <laughs> That's the way I like it. Well, I was looking at um, something called po- podcastindex.com, mm-hmm. and uh, it had um, a podcast app in it, and I just checked it to see if our podcast was in it, and it is. Maybe it's on my phone. It probably is. Probably so. Probably. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Let me reiterate, it's not just questions. And it says that, but you can send us comments. We'd love to hear something about anybody's thoughts on the OSR, whether you're like, you two guys are nuts, you ain't got any idea what it's about, or you two guys are awesome, which is more likely true, you know everything about the OSR with little or no research. Yes, that's really... That would be nice. That's actually truth. (laughs) Yes, but the truth. Did you find it? What's the name of it? Antennapod. Cool. Dude, that sounds like a monster, like a cephalopod. <laughs> right, right. It's not like that. Plus, um, uh, so that they also got us listed at um, podcast. Was it what I was just called? Podcast index. Yeah. Cool. Good deal. Called Podcasting 2.0. Oh, okay. Uh, We'd also like to encourage you to check out a few podcasts we like. We mentioned them today. Red Dice Diaries with John Allen Large and his wife, Hannah. Radio Grognar with Glenn Halstrom. Thank you, Glenn, for shouting out to us. The Tale of the Manticore. It's kind of a unique little dramatization slash quasi-actual play sort of thingy. So I really... uh, Still like digging all three of those. There's a new episode of The Tale of the Manticore. Have you listened to it yet? I have. I have not, so don't spoil it. I'll cry. So anyway. Oh, I want to make you cry. Oh, man. Anyway. We'll do it off air. Off air. I'll cry off air. Yes. This is Randy. And this is Joe. And remember, can't be big like us and be geeks like us.